Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Can you believe it? It's the middle of August, and we've got a trade to talk about. A mid-August Woj bomb that I don't think anybody saw coming. Trade between the Clippers and the Memphis Grizzlies. Plus, we have a few other odds and ends to get into today. Keith, I'm thrilled. This is great. I was not expecting this. This is like a little a little mid-August surprise for us. Yeah, this isn't quite the level of the Kyrie Irving no. August trade, but but we'll take it. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll we'll take it. And this one, I mean, really, technically, you know, free agency is only just over a week sure. and a half old. So it so feels we'll, longer. Uh, yeah, we're, we're not even a week into deals being official. Um, yeah, right. I think or just about a little over a week uh, into deals being official. So yeah, it's uh the the terms of the deal. The Memphis Grizzlies trade Eric Bledsoe to the L.A. Clippers mm-hmm. for uh, Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, and Daniel Oturu. And the Clippers will create a $8.25 million trade exception. How they're going to do that is uh, Beverly and Oturu will be the salary match for Bledsoe. And then technically Rondo gets traded for nothing in effect Mm -hmm. is how that works out on that side. Uh, So they create an $8.25 million trade exception. And then the Clippers save themselves about $30 million in tax bill um, off of this as they they have uh, climbed uh, well into the escalated tax Mm -hmm. now and those kind of things. So so, a good good chunk of change for uh, Steve Ballmer. And and we all know he desperately needs to save that money. It's, uh, you know, I'm sure sure he's really hurting uh, from, you know, $30 million. Well, that's just it, right? So for you know, far be it for me to stick up for the Clippers or anything like that, right? A little, little personal bias gets <laughs> gets in the way usually. But so many people right now, I'm seeing the response across social media and across different websites, are, are saying, well, why would the Clippers be trying to save money? Steve Ballmer's got as much money as anybody, right? All this kind of stuff. Uh, $30 million is $30 million. I don't, care, I don't care how rich you are. $30 million is a lot of money. And saving that matters, particularly if you aren't drastically hurting your team or anything if you can save 30 billion dollars and maybe even improve your team of course you're gonna do that right like that's that's to me it's it's a no-brainer in that regard in terms of if you can make a move that's going to save you 30 million dollars that's that's a lot of money there's a lot you can do with that i mean put it in terms of of the salaries of your players say you just signed Kawhi leonard that's almost paying for a year of Kawhi leonard right like that's that's what we're what we're talking about here when we look at, at $30 million. So I don't look at it and just say, oh, Steve Ballmer's got deep pockets, so this is a dumb move. No, I think it, when you can save $30 million, you do it. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. And, you know, yeah, we're all going to make the jokes and poke fun mm-hmm. and stuff. But I think there is just financially, this is a move for the Clippers to now they've got maybe a little bit more flexibility too. Mm-hmm. And again, let, let's just put it to rest that these teams will pay whatever it takes tax wise. We've seen the Warriors even back off that just a little bit uh, this off season. That they're they're not going you know whole hog. They've not spent their taxpayer mid level. It's not to say that they won't if a really good player comes available for them that that they should go after. Uh, maybe they will, but it's uh, that the Nets as well. They've been a little bit more conscious with their spending this off season. So even the richest ownership groups at some point are like, uh, all right, let's slow down. And I think this is a right read by the Clippers saying, mm-hmm. you know what, with not knowing what's going on with Kawhi, maybe we're not exactly a title contender. So why are we going to spend so much money for a team that well, this will be good, oh, yeah. right? I, I, I think they're six to 
ninth in the West, probably without Kawhi. And and that's it's still a good team. That's still in the playing range for sure. So I, I think I think it makes sense on there. And, and then on the Memphis side, just further clears up their books a little bit more for next year, where it removes uh Bledsoe's 3.9 million guarantee on that second year. Mm-hmm. All the other guys are free agents after this season. So Beverly Rondo and um Oturu. And we'll see what happens if you know Beverly Rondo or I guess Oturu even never suit up and play a game in Memphis or uh, ever even travel to the city as a member of the Grizzlies. There's a lot of reporting out there that that may not even come down that way. It looks like they're open to the idea of moving Beverly and Rondo. We can get into why that might be here in a minute. Yeah, I mean, look, when we look at the, the Grizzlies roster, they're already pretty full in terms of, of roster spots. And then what they've essentially done is they've taken Eric Bledsoe's contract, who a lot of people had saw Bledsoe as a questionable fit to begin with. He was just kind of a salary matching piece. You've taken that and you've yeah. chopped it up into three other pieces. Now, Beverly obviously being the biggest one about 14 million but then you have rondo coming in at seven as well so you're taking that money that would have just been one chunk of about what 18 almost 19 million dollars sitting on your books it's hard to trade that away it's hard to find a team that can make a deal that works for them for that much money whereas if you chop it up finding a taker for, for a guy like Blitz, for a guy like blood so specifically yeah. but to chop that up say to find somebody to pay rondo seven million dollars well maybe teams aren't ideally looking to pay him that but it's certainly easier than finding a team that's going to pay Bledsoe quite that much money. So I think they... Let's be clear on Rondo, yeah. too. Sorry, just... And just no, you're good. He is at 8.25 because yes. he did hit his bonuses. Oh, that's right. Uh, this past year. So, yeah, he, he did hit those because they made the playoffs and he played in... I forget whatever his games... Per-rated games played was. He he hit that mm-hmm. mark. But, but yes, but still, your, your, your point doesn't change at all. You're absolutely right. It's, it's easier to move those guys as individual pieces now at that kind of money versus Bledsoe at what he was at you know, as a singular piece. Exactly. And so based on what you're saying too, that the Grizzlies might not even have these guys suit up for them. I don't think I want to worry too much about what any of them are going to provide the Grizzlies on the floor just yet, because I do feel like that's probably the plan is to move them on somewhere else. But for the Clippers, Uh can they make an argument here that they are better off with Kawhi being gone most likely for the year, who knows, maybe he comes back for the playoffs, but for most of the year at least, with Kawhi being gone, can we make the argument that Bledsoe is actually the better piece for them than the combination of Oturu, Rondo, and, of course, Patrick Beverly? I think if you get the Bledsoe from a couple years ago, you can. Yeah. I, I Bledsoe last year, I just... I don't think he wanted to be in New Orleans, and I think he kind of played like he didn't want to be in New Orleans. Uh, quite frankly, I'm sure uh, that that is of you know a lot of a uh, condol or uh, what well, what is that? The, I I can't think of the word, but it doesn't make Pelicans fans feel very good, oh, right? Yeah. To have another guy, he, he's going to climb the list of. Uh, disliked former Pelicans, I think pretty high if he bounces back and has a really nice year with the Clippers. So, I think what this is doing is you sacrifice defense for offense here and they clearly can use a little bit more offense creation without Kawhi. Mm-hmm. So now it doesn't fall to Paul George and Reggie Jackson to create everything. Now at least Bledsoe can come in and do that. I think Bledsoe while he's on the smaller side for a guard, he's he's strong enough that I think you can play those three together at times too because Jackson and George can both shoot it quite well off ball. Bledsoe kind of comes and goes as an off ball shooter. Yeah. so we'll see but yeah i think you can definitely make that argument that that you're better um he's also you remember back in the day when 
every other year Bledsoe was hurt. And yes. it was like he yep. played 80 games, then he'd play 40 games. Now he's become a guy who's pretty reliable. He, he's in there most games. So I think that's different from Beverly too. Beverly tends to miss a lot of time uh, each season. And it, it's, I'm never going to be the guy who's going to bust on Rajon Rondo too much. He's been been too special of a player to me mm-hmm. in my um, you know lifetime as a as a basketball player. But he wasn't going to do much for this Clippers team at this point. They, that it was also kind of clear the way they went with some of their draft picks that they were looking to maybe replace some of those older guards yeah. to some extent with Keon Johnson, Jason Preston, BJ Boston. So I think you were at a position where the Rondo losses. I don't even really count that for the Clippers because I think he was he was going to play as a backup, but you're talking 15, 20 minutes a night of backup play. You've more than replaced that with Bledsoe. And then the Oturu loss is, is nothing he's done. He didn't do anything as a rookie, and he, he hasn't done a whole heck of a lot at Summer League mm-hmm. either, so I'm not uh, I'm not overly high on him. So when we're looking at this from the Clippers' perspective, the last piece then is from chemistry-wise. I mean, look, Patrick Beverly has been arguably the the heart of the team for a number of years now. Uh, What about that in terms of, you know, Patrick Beverly, the mentality that he brings? Now, of course, I know that, you know, Russell Westbrook is not sad to see Patrick Beverly leaving leaving Los (laughs) Angeles, and certain other players are not sad to see him no longer on the Clippers. But in terms of, of the impact on the Clippers themselves, does their identity change at all here with Patrick Beverly gone? You think a little bit, I think they they lose a lot of that defensive presence that they've had over at least the last couple of seasons because Kawhi's not going to be there for a lot of the year. Uh, maybe Justice Winslow replaces a little bit of what Kawhi gave you, but he's, he's not Kawhi as a defender. I mean, very few guys are. And then, um, yeah, Beverly, they, they don't have another backcourt defender the way he was, and he's arguably the you know, a number one pest in the NBA. It's I'd, I'd put it at that is maybe a three-way tie between him, Marcus Smart, and TJ McConnell. Mm-hmm. I think those three guys are just, they're up in guys' faces all game long. And you just, you know, they're, they're, they're the kind of guys who are, at any point, you're ready for whoever they're primarily guarding to to just, you know, Maybe maybe one Take of those breakthroughs where the elbow comes yes, a yeah. little high, you know, and uh, you know catches him across the nose or something like that. But yeah, so I think I think the Clippers' identity does change somewhat here. I think now you've transitioned it to more of an offensive type team, at least for the the interim, and and we'll see you know where that goes for them. But I think it's something that was almost kind of necessary without Kawhi. You needed mm-hmm. to add somebody else who could go create you a basket off the dribble, uh, either for himself or others, and that. That's what Bledsoe gives you. As a flip side, on the other side, I wish this is where I wish we could do like a Loki situation and do like a variant timeline <laughs> and send Patrick Beverly to the grit and grind Grizzlies. Yes. Could you imagine him along with Zach Randolph and Tony Allen and that crew? Like he did. People would, did, there'd just be fights. Did you see he night, tweeted no grit question. and grind last night? Like shortly after the trade oh, was on. He? Yeah. He tweeted out grit and grind. Let's go. So, you know, he's, he's locked in there, but I, I mean, do you think they're going to get bought out these guys or do you think there's going to be a home? I don't think, yeah, I don't think they'll get bought out. I, I think they'll, they'll, at the very least, maybe they'll do the, uh, the Iguodala approach mm-hmm. and they'll just hang on to him and find a trade for him later. 
if they have to. You know, Oturu, he's just a throw in to make the math work salary wise. So who knows? But as you mentioned, you know, I think earlier, the Grizzlies do have 17 guaranteed salaries now. So that's two that they've got to cut because you can only carry 15 onto the regular season roster. So they're going to have to eat some money or they're going to have to trade some money away. My guess is Rondo is the more likely of the two to never play in Memphis right. uh, for the Grizzlies. I, I think that he'll probably either work a buyout or he'll get traded into somebody's trade exception or something along those lines. There, there's a couple out there that he could fit into in places where I think he could still probably help those teams. Uh, no Celtics fans. I don't mm. think he's coming back to Boston. I that's, they're already well into the further into the tax than they wanted to be after the Schroeder deal. So, uh, let's put that one to rest. And also let's put to rest. Kyle Anderson doesn't fit into the, the Tristan Thompson trade exception either. So let's right. stop with that one. Uh, I know he's a longtime object of Celtics fans. Uh, um, the, 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 the affection, they really want him there. Then that's, that one's not going to happen either. But, my guess is if Beverly's tweeting things like that, then maybe he is looking at sticking around. And he's not an awful fit for them. No. He, he gives them a a defensive guard who can kind of help because let's face it, John Morant's been a little lacking on that end of the floor. I think as he's had to carry such a uh, heavy load offensively in his first couple of years, their, their other guards are not great. And you, you could really put together some defensive stuff in lineups where you put Beverly out there. Cause he's so good off ball now as a shooter, um, put jaw out there with Beverly and Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson mm-hmm. and, Throwing almost whoever else, that's that's a pretty good defensive group if you need to get a stop. And those things, their real backup point guards have been Tyus Jones, maybe a little bit of DeAnthony Melton here and there. So I, I think Beverly could stick there as a reserve guard for that team and somebody who could also play some minutes alongside um, uh, John Morant. So on the flip side, too, is if they can find a trade that makes more sense for them, yeah, but... I don't know. What are you doing with 14 million in trade? If you're the Grizzlies, right. who who are you going after right now? That's probably one where I, I would definitely look at bringing him in. I would play him some, uh, see where it goes. And then if a trade materializes later, then, then yeah, absolutely move on it at that point. Cause they, they've got a lot. If you look at their cap sheet, it is remarkably clean. Yeah. The only questionable contract on there is Steven Adams at 17.9 million for next season, the 22, 23 season this year at 17 million is what it is. But everybody else is an expiring contract, a rookie scale player, or they're on a really good team friendly deal. So I think the Grizzlies are, uh, they're in pretty good shape here to do a lot of different things. Uh, agreed. And, you know, just like the situation you're in where this trade goes down and you your mentions just get, get slammed by people saying, could Boston get this guy? I get people because the Lakers <laughs> have three open roster spots. So I've got everybody yeah. going, Rondo back to the Lakers. This is going to happen. I've got people messaging <laughs> yeah. me. Do you still have your Rondo jersey and all this? I'm like, number one, yes. <laughs> did you have a Rondo jersey? I did. So I made a bet with, with oh, Lakers man. Nation, with LakersNation.com, because we talked all throughout the season about how Rondo wasn't a great fit in terms of being a, a guy who could get into the paint and, and present a scoring thread and, and all that. And the, the outside sure. shooting and all that, right? And I had a lot of people telling me, oh, you're wrong. Rondo's going to be great come playoff time and everything. I said, look, if playoff Rondo shows up, no one will be happier than I am to be wrong about this. And so if playoff Rondo shows up, I will buy a Rajon Rondo jersey and I will wear it on our show. And I'm happily, I was able to able to do that. And so, yes, I have a Rondo jersey, uh, a Lakers number nine sitting in my closet right now. 
<laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. If he does get bought out, I mean, uh, let me be the last then to jump in your mentions here live on our show. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense for the Lakers, yeah. quite honestly. They they could use another pure point guard because Kendrick Nunn's not, that's not really what he is. You know, he's more of a scorer. So yeah, Rondo on your second unit. And then at this point, even if Rondo and Westbrook combine for what, 120 ish games, that's not bad. You, then you get by with mixing and matching the rest of the way. If they, you know, play 60 games a piece or something like that, that's, that's perfectly fine. So yeah, that I, I guess that's probably maybe his most likely landing spot because I don't know who else really needs a point guard right. that that also has open roster spots because that's the other challenge we're getting into around the league right now is roster spots are drying up really, really quickly um, there. The the other one that just kind of makes me laugh because I think it would be really funny is uh, we know how much Doc Rivers loves Rajon. That's Rondo. right. You know, could he bring him in to Philadelphia either on the buyout market or he fits inside the soon-to-be-expiring Al Horford trade exception mm. if they really wanted to go that direction they could kick something small to memphis because memphis is not going to get a no. big return for a guy like rondo nah, at this point in, in in this but yeah i think this is a trade that it's it, it it's not league changing it right? happened. Not, neither team is now a title contender yeah exactly yeah it happened but when you look at it beyond just the face of the deal you can get it motivations for both sides and start to to really understand all right this makes a lot more sense than maybe it did when i just saw it because even initially i was like boy that is a random trade and once you once you get into the finances then it it makes the most like this is a financially motivated trade right and so that's that's the other piece to this because everybody the, the initial response for well okay most of us right the initial response is what does this mean on the basketball court, right? We start thinking about sure. <laughs> what, is, what does Bledsoe mean in a Clippers uniform? What does um, Patrick Beverly mean with the Grizzlies? How does that look and everything? Realistically, though, this was a financially motivated trade first and foremost. This was about the Clippers saving some money, generating that trade exception. This is about the Grizzlies chopping up that salary of Bledsoe, making it a little bit more movable. That's the goal here. And then secondary is, okay, well, how are all these pieces going to work on the floor? Don't get me wrong. These teams are considering how it all comes together on the court for sure. But the financial piece was the main incentive to do this deal. And let's uh, both give ourselves a pat on the back here because we both said Eric Bledsoe would never play a game in Memphis. That's right. And we were absolutely correct on that one. So that that was uh, – you could have seen that one coming without a uh, hair salon tweet about not wanting to be there uh, ever being <laughs> <That's> <laughs> sent. So. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that it, it's so yeah, interesting to see. It to me now, it's almost more interesting to see where Memphis goes mm-hmm. uh, with this roster, just because they are carrying those seventeen fully guaranteed contracts, uh, and they already have both of their two way spots filled. So it's it, it's it's interesting. Uh, two other quick things related to that, because um, a couple people did jump in my mentions and say. Memphis only is 16 because Sam Merrill was only guaranteed for 500 K when they did the Merrill for mm-hmm. Grayson Allen swap. It's actually incorrect. He ended up getting fully guaranteed uh. um, right after that trade. It was actually, I think the day of the trade, his contract became fully guaranteed. And uh, so, so he, he is now fully guaranteed. And then a couple people have asked me if the Clippers will be able to get a disabled player exception for Kawhi Leonard, since it's likely that he's going to be out all season. And the answer is no, uh, because, that was a new contract so the player has to be under contract um what when they are uh 
when you apply for right. for that. So they have to be injured while under contract. Yes, he was under contract, but then that contract ended and you signed a new one. It's the same reason the Nets couldn't get one for Kevin Durant yeah. when they signed Kevin Durant, knowing KD and then ultimately did miss the entirety of the season. Um, so, yeah, so just, just can close the door on that one. Right. You know what you're getting into because the player's injured yeah. before he's under contract. So you know exactly what you're, it's exactly. not like he's, you paid him, you're, you're, you're planning on that player being there and then suddenly they're not. That's what's the, what the NBA is trying to yep. help you out. They're trying to help you out in that situation, not in a situation where, hey, we know he's not going to play. Let's sign him and then we can go get somebody else. That doesn't, that's not how exactly. they look at it. And guys, trust me, if there's anything I know really dead cold in the CBA after the Gordon Hayward injury, it's the disabled player exception. <laughs> right. I know everything there is to know about that uh, uh, unfortunate uh, piece of salary capness mm-hmm. that, that exists out there. Hey, Trevor, a couple smaller moves yeah. um, that happened as we talked about uh, guaranteed contracts. A couple guys uh, were coming up to be guaranteed, and um, one of them did not make it. Justin James of the Sacramento Kings was waived. Uh, the Kings were, again, one of those teams that was carrying some guarantees. They, they guaranteed, as we talked about on a previous episode, Damian Jones. Uh, then they, they half guaranteed Chemezi Metu. And then Justin James just gets squeezed out there. Uh, no, no, no room left on the roster for him uh, at the moment. So he he is out. Um, as an aside, Alex Len officially signed with the Kings too. That was one of the ones that I'd kind of forgotten that happened yeah. um, in the course of free agency. And and I just wrote about this in an article that'll be up at Spot Track. I don't know what in the world Sacramento's doing at the center they position. Have all the centers. Now they have Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, Tristan Thompson, uh, Alex Len, Damian Jones, Chemezi Metu. And that's before we even get to Marvin Bagley, who's probably played his best ball at the five in his career. So I, I don't I don't know what's happening with, with that roster as as per usual. I'm they really like the twin cards. towers concept. They just really, really yes. like it. They're gonna they're gonna go what? Quadruple how quintuple? Towers, I guess, Maybe. out there on the floor. Put them all Maybe. at the same time. Yeah. The biggest team wins. That's the way the NBA works, right? <laughs> like when uh, Denver at the beginning of the the bubble practice games, when they half their their team was still in uh, uh, quarantine from COVID. Remember that yeah. they had like Bull Bull running point guard, and then uh, Troy Daniels was like the only uh, guard on the roster at that time. So yeah, so we'll we'll see. You know, um, but yeah, I'm, I. I don't know. I don't. They, I'm very confused about Sacramento um, and what they they're mm. they're doing there. Um, speaking of big men coming back, Udonis Haslam, year 19 in Miami, 59 uh, years running old, running it back. So yeah, Udonis <laughs> yeah. Haslam yeah. still playing. I, I loved his stat from last season. It was the best. Thing. He played what? I think it was a total. Yeah. Of, I want to say three minutes, and he was ejected. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. that was his whole season. Take it right. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, it's funny though. I will say people ask all the time, you know, why don't just make him a coach and use that mm-hmm. roster spot and on a player. The reality is players carry more weight in the locker room as a player than they do as a coach. Yeah. So the minute he becomes a coach, he's not going to be in there when the coaches are doing the coaches meetings. He's not going to be the guy who's out there going through the drills with the guys and those kind of things. He becomes a coach mm-hmm. at that point, And it just is different. It's completely different. And if you're Miami, uh, I don't think the lack of development roster spots have hurt them at all, considering what they did with Kendrick Nunn and mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson. And uh, maybe looks like a summer league darling Max Struess maybe might be the next one to, to, to come along. As an aside, I think Max Struess is going to have to play real minutes for them because look at their bench when you have a chance. After Tyler Hero, 
it gets pretty ugly. It's Markeith Morris, Dwayne Dedman, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent. Um, that's assuming until uh, Victor Oladipo is able to show us something. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, it's it's not it, it drops off pretty quickly um, after Tyler Hero because Markeith Morris, you you know better than most. Yeah. He doesn't have a whole lot left in the tank. It doesn't look like, which is weird because his brother still clearly does and is very good. So he has yeah, he has I'm spurts. Markeith has has spurts where, yeah. where he'll be fine, but then he goes through other stretches where you're like, eh, it's not here for. We need to shut him down for a little bit, and then you bring him back yeah. again. And he's almost now at this point, in my opinion, he's very much a five yes. versus a four because yeah. he he can't switch out and cover guys on the perimeter the way he used to be able to or mm. anything like that. So I think, um, yeah, we'll see. And then uh, last one we were going to touch on, I think, or I think it's a, maybe the last one. Yeah, it was. Is um, Garuba. Uh, Usman Garuba did sign with the Houston Rockets. We we had talked uh, previously. There was a lot of reports. He had a very, very large um, buyout from his team over in Spain. Um, but he is going to join the Rockets. So the Rockets will have four first-round picks on this year's roster. Uh, joining, so he joins Jalen Green, Alperin Schengen, and Josh Christopher. Uh, so, you know, four first-rounders on the same roster. And that's a team that already had a couple uh, youngish guys and Kevin Porter and Christian Wood mm-hmm. and uh, Kenny Martin Jr., who looked really good at Summer League and looks like he's really starting to figure some stuff out. So um, I am i wasn't watching a lot of the Rockets by the end of last year, I'll be completely honest. Um, I'll be watching a good deal of Rockets, at least early this year, to just see you know what they look like and how they sort through all this. Because it's kind of a weird mix of guys. Because any of Older players like John Wall, Eric Gordon, DJ Augustine, uh, Daniel Tice joining them. It's just a little bit of a weird mix there. But, you know, they're sorting through and figuring it out. But that means all 30 first-round picks from this year are now signed. And 19 of 30 second-round picks have signed contracts as well. So we're we're, – we're right about where we expect to be. Maybe a couple more of the second rounders uh, filter through, and then the rest will probably be draft and stash. Or they, I think there's going to even be a couple domestic draft and stash mm-hmm. where they play in the G League. This year's the G League will be back in full uh, this season. Um, you know, so we'll, I, I think we'll see some of that. You know, I like Garuba a lot. He was one of my favorite guys in this draft just because I'm a sucker for guys that are really good off-ball defensively, just read things very, very well, and he does that. Uh, He makes some great rotations, and so I'm interested to see what it does look like. But like you mentioned, Houston, it's a weird – I mean, obviously they're kind of rebuilding here, but it's a weird mix. I almost think of them as Sacramento South, right? That's that's kind of what what Houston has become with the the, – pieces are just an odd fit the way they're going to come together here not that i think the kings will be closer to contention obviously than than the rockets will are closer to playoff contention anyway but um yeah it, it's going to be a weird fit for them but glad to hear that that garuba did work things out because i am excited to see him next season i am going to make it a point to watch some rockets games and get a look at him as well as my guy christian wood he's been my guy for for a while now yeah and garuba uh just if people don't know he's nba ready defender yes. today mm-hmm. as a rookie i mean he checked kevin durant in the scrimmages and in the um the uh the the Olymp- olympics itself in the i don't remember what round that was but whatever round that was maybe the quarterfinals i think so um he he was uh one of the guys who was you know i mean no one could guard durant and no one really can but he at least did did as good as he can yeah and uh i just noticed the clippers grizzlies trade is uh is now official okay so 
Uh, it it has been, been made official. Both teams are tweeting about it. So, uh, done deal. Patrick Beverly, Daniel Tura, Rajam Rondo for Eric Bledsoe. Nothing else involved. No picks, no uh, draft rates, no, nothing straight straightforward as I guess it, it can be with that one. So that, that one just went official here in the last uh, few minutes. All right. Well, good timing then, everybody. We appreciate you guys watching. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications. And, of course, like this video as well. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see ya.